This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody. Shay Dixon is here with me now and his lovely pup right there in the back. Uh, we Lundy's are here. Out. Yeah, just hanging out. Lundy, longtime friend of the show. Uh, also in with Shay Dixon there and kind of an upbeat podcast for us on this Monday because LSU played probably its best game of the season over the weekend, taking Alabama uh, and giving the Crimson Tide all they could handle in Tuscaloosa this past weekend, losing 20 to 14. But really, uh, for me, I was there in the press box, the new press box, um, and it was just one of those games that I was kind of sitting there and it was unfolding and I thought, Maybe something wild was going to happen at the end and LSU was going to do it, but they weren't able to get it done. Uh, Alabama sneaks by LSU, but Shay, just what a game, what an effort from LSU. They're out, man. They're, they're depleted. Uh, I think they only have two, maybe three starters from the beginning of the year left on defense, uh, but they're still playing their tails off and, and giving it their all and should be commended for the game they had against Alabama. Yeah, I mean, we'll dive deep into the Bama game, but you were there. And I, we've talked about this before. I don't know how much on the pod, but a lot on the board of about how does LSU improve the in-game experience? Because now you've got your 80-inch TV at home. You got the bathroom right there. You got the grill. You got to fight parking. You got to go do all that. It's a whole, you know, excursion. And they've said, well, how do you, you know, kind of increase the in-game experience? And I know Woodward's talked about the potential for a sports book or them running lines during the game. But everybody that I talked to, Billy, that was there came back and said the in-game experience with how they do the lights and how they have everything going was unlike anything they had ever seen. It, it, it was kind of like a club uh, in between like TV timeouts. So Alabama, if you've never been there, they have these LED lights that they've installed at the top of the stadium and throughout that they can turn it into a complete light show so they can alternate it it can be like a strobe they got them in red Um, I'm sure LSU could do it in purple if they installed them we've seen some other stadiums add them in as of late a a few I think a couple in the SEC now have them but in that in those TV timeouts now you kind of have these cool light shows and they've they've they even did it where everybody held up their their smartphone and turned on their flashlight and they did like a flat, like your phone flashlight as a wave. So all you saw all these lights go up and down across the stadium, which was pretty packed. Um, you saw it go up, down, up, down, up, down. So it was kind of like a strobe. And then they incorporate the LED lights with some good music. I, I mean, this is an LSU podcast. I don't think fans want us to really like, you know, blow up Alabama and how cool it was. But for those who were kind of poo-pooing the whole L- LED lights, I was there in 2019. Um when that place was absolutely full and one of the best football games I've ever seen, the LED lights I thought were in their first year, they were good, but they found a way to really like incorporate them and then incorporate the fans. And it it was just one of the most, it was pretty insane. Um, I was really impressed. I think that's the way uh, to get some fans, fan involvement. 
uh, get them involved so that they maybe sit, stay in their seats. Uh, they don't leave. Uh, it was, it was a really cool atmosphere. And look, I mean, Ed Ogeron said it was, it was a great crowd after the game. I mean, he, he even, uh, I was right there kind of standing, standing there as he ran off and I was, I was watching him and he ran right to the Alabama student section and he threw up the L kind of pumped his chest a couple of times. And I was like, you know, he's probably giving them a little bit of a salute, probably a goodbye at the same time. And I think they kind of, you know, appreciated that in a way and gave him a little grief and, and, and all that, but um, just an unbelievable game. I mean, one that I think over the last like year and a half, I've been kind of waiting for things to get back to normal and being there on Saturday. I mean, that was, that was normal. I know Tiger stadium is really lit it up this year at times, uh, but that was the game that for me, maybe, you know, as this new coaching staff comes in, this is the, the page turner, you know, college football is back. Uh, we've seen it at other venues across the country, um, but it was, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, I uh, I know. Like you said, it's an LSU podcast. I don't want to hear about that. But you bring up a good point that everyone and it's I mean, it's an old school thing or it's a tradition thing of what are you doing? And as you said, poo poo and the idea of LED stuff. But that's how you do it. I, I won't be surprised at all if LSU and others uh, kind of get onto that wave and, and do whatever they can to make uh, the in-game experience a little bit more fun. Um, but, yes, let's talk about the game. And we wanted to start with the defense because we'll get to the offense in a minute which the notable news from the offense wasn't even from the game. So uh, we'll start with the defense. And I know we'll get Maddie B here in the end uh, of the podcast. We're going to give out some game balls. I'm assuming they're all good at defensive guys. But some things that stood out to me twofold, and, and I know this is what LSU fans have been talking a lot about, uh, and this isn't as much individual stuff as it is team. Durante Jones and Cody Warsham at LSU had a stat. I could pull it up. It might take me a minute. But it was like LSU had blitzed a combined – 42 times in eight games, something like that. It was an average of five a game. So I guess that'd be 45 or whatever it is. Um, then in the Bama game, I think they blitzed 22 or 23 times. So like right at like every game combined, they blitzed half that much versus Bama. And it showed, I mean, Bama was overwhelmed up front. They weren't even disguising it. They were just putting everyone on the line and coming after them. I thought that Durante Jones for all offseason season Orgeron said, you know what, Durante Jones, I love about his defense, it's aggressive. They get after him. Well, they were playing four down linemen rushing the quarterback every play and just letting the guys, you know, cornerbacks do their work and locking that guys up on the outside. They go into this one with basically nobody. I mean, they had two nickels transfers starting in the defensive backfield for them. They were playing on the first drive of the game in Pig Cage and Darren Evans. And look, all these guys rose to the occasion. But to see Durante Jones's defense actually get after it like that and Look, but you can knock Bill. I don't think Bill O'Brien had a good game at all. I thought his offensive play calling for Bama was awful. But everything that he was trying to get done about LSU for against LSU, they were shutting it down time and time and time again. So kudos to them. And I think a number beyond the blitzing that goes with it, Bama rushed for six yards, six total yards. And Todd Polite said LSU stat guy, stat guru, uh, shared the stat that. He went through the Bama record books. Six yards is tied for the least amount they've ever had in a game rushing the football in the history of the program. Penn State in the early 90s has held them to, to six yards in a game. So you think over of all the times you've played Bama, and they've got some good running backs right now, but you think of all of the Bama running games you faced, they were chunking out hundreds, hundred, hundred, hundred. You get in this game where you hold them to 20 points, which is 20-something below their season average. And then you hold them to six yards on the ground. It was it was unlike anything I could have imagined for a defense that was down to second and third stringers, but 
for them to all rise to the occasion, for them to all look like guys who not just belonged on the field, but O said it numerous times. He doubled down on Monday. He said, I think if just for that one night only, we were the best football team that was on that field. And when you look at how the defense played, it was tough to disagree with them. I thought both defenses played well. I think Alabama's offense is better than LSU's offense. And obviously LSU's defense didn't have a lot of their starting pieces there. So yes, both sides played well, low scoring game, but no doubt the credit goes to the LSU defense. They were awesome. Yeah. uh, First eight games for LSU, 12 unblocked pressures versus Alabama, 10. That's Cody Worsham uh, of LSU dishing out that stat. 41. I mean, Jesus. Yep. 41, five per game in the first eight games versus Alabama, 24. That's the blitzes. And then this final one that I'll share, LSU's defense missed two tackles versus Alabama in 64 attempts. Their 3% missed tackle rate was the best in the country in week 10. So really impressive showing by Durante Jones. I thought that shift to the, you know, all out kind of mentality to, to keep it pretty simple was the best thing that they could have done to that Bama offense. They had very little answers for it. They got burned deep by Jamison Williams on one of them. Uh, that was, you know, the difference in the ball game. And uh, well, really, I mean, the final two or so minutes of the first half ultimately ended up being the difference in the ball game with that interception by Max Johnson, uh, allowing Bama to score. But, you know, this is a this is a, a defense that just played so hard. Um, that was the big thing for me. The defensive line really just, you know, manufactured their pressure. I know they brought blitzes um, and they hit Bryce Young a good bit. And and no one on that LSU defense was really scared of Alabama. Um, I was uh, actually on the field uh, when that uh, uh, potential targeting on Bryce Young or, you know, I didn't think it was targeting, but uh, the, the one that sent Saban, I think, into a complete meltdown. Uh, and they actually ended up calling timeout, I'm pretty sure. Uh, to try and get them to look at it. But uh, Jay Ward went and popped him really good on the sideline there. LSU just played reckless abandon on defense. On offense, they just couldn't muster up enough points. They needed that that fourth down. Uh, great play call uh, by Greg McMahon to get that fake punt um, that they almost hit. Uh, Ed Ogeron brought it up, and I forgot about it, that they almost hit against Auburn a couple years back, uh, and then they executed with Avery Atkins and Jack Mashburn to extend that drive, they capitalize on that and score. Um, look, I mean, LSU really, I mean, for, for much of the game in a way, you know, you take away that deep bomb to Jamison Williams and LSU comes away with a win. Um, that was uh, just quite a performance offensively. I think Max Johnson has just been hit so much this year that it's in, in a way starting to catch up with him. Um, he, and receivers aren't separating as much as they probably have or, or, you know, Alabama's got some good corners at times and it, it just it wasn't enough offensively. And they really, you know, struggled to to capitalize on the chances that they had to to win the game offensively. Well, yeah. And I mean, after look on the two scoring drives that they had, they had to use between the two drives, three fourth down conversions to get all three of them to score both those touchdowns. It took the fake punt that you were talking about to extend the drive on the first uh I guess, first series of the game for LSU, they score. From there, I think they had like 12 more yards the rest of the half. I mean, at halftime, Avery Atkins, the punter, had more passing yards than the starting quarterback. And the starting quarterback had already thrown a touchdown. They were at like 26 to 22 passing yards, the 26 coming off the fake punt, obviously. And then you just never got going from there. I mean, they look, three people is at LSU in LSU history, three running backs have gone for over 100 yards 
in Bryant Denny, Kevin Falk, Clyde Edwards Elair in that 2019 game, and then Ty Davis Price. So look, I know Ty Davis Price had a fumble. They scored off of it. That stung, but he was all you had on offense. I mean, let's be real. He was the guy that was actually moving the chains, getting it going for you. He came in and converted a bunch of key fourth downs on the ground when Alabama very much knew they were about to run it right up the middle with Ty Davis Price. He sidestepped a couple and, and kept chains moving. He had the huge long run uh, that obviously I don't believe it led to the score. I think that was the one where they end up stalling out uh, inside the 10 and, and on fourth down, he misses uh, Max misses Trey Palmer on that play. But you like what you've seen from the running. No doubt. Ty Davis Price, the run blocking has, has definitely been better across these three or four games. He set a record. He goes for 100 over Alabama. But you're at this point, guys, where Max, the Max we saw on the Florida game a year ago isn't the Max we're seeing now. And it just looks so much different. And Orgeron talked about it today. He said some of it's protection, some of it's Max holding onto the ball. But he let off by saying, I think, I think a bulk of it is that we're not putting these guys in position to win right now. And I think you can look through our game day threads. I mean, you can look on social media. You can hear fans yelling from the stands. One of their favorite plays is rolling their left-handed quarterback to the right side. And it's cutting down on half the field. Now you're coming across your whole body to throw it. It's like the most fundamental levels of play calling people are confused by. So Ed Orgeron was kind of harsh today on Jake Peets. He praised Durante Jones. He praised the whole defensive staff for what they did. He praised Greg McMahon for – you know, what they were able to do, Atkins had a good game punting the ball. Uh, you obviously wish you would have gotten to see Cade York maybe kick a couple field goals, but uh, they went for broke, obviously, going for it on a bunch of fourth downs. So, But he praised McMahon for how they did. But he said, look, there's still a lot to be left desired with Pete's. And he said after nine weeks or however many it's been, nine games, so they don't even have an identity on offense. They thought that running the football could be an identity, but then they don't really have many answers in the passing game since then. And especially with Butte out, here's a stat. Butte, right now, as we record this podcast, leads the SEC in touchdown catches. He hasn't played since like three games ago, four games ago now. So everyone else is through nine games. He had six. He still leads the SEC in touchdown passes. When he's not in there, the passing game is just not going places. So, And you've got young talent at receiver, Besh, Brian Thomas, Neighbors. Uh, we've seen Dre Jenkins make plays in games. We've seen Trey Palmer make plays in games. Right now, it's just evident that the quarterback's not getting it there to him or the offensive play calls aren't setting him up for success. Whatever it is brings us to this, the news of the day, kind of out of the press conference, Billy. We need to explain how this all plays out because it sounds weird when you say it, but Garrett Nussmeyer will play now, and they are going to play him in significant snaps against Arkansas on Saturday. And that may not sound like big news. Obviously, Max has not been playing great, so you're going to give your freshman back up a shot. But here's the catch. A week ago, they said that, talking to the Nussmeyer camp, that Garrett could only play in one more game. Any more than that, he burns his red shirt. Well, they had four games left. Bama, Arkansas, ULM, a non-conference game, and A&M. So I think the thought from the family was, okay, if you can tell us he's getting extended reps in a game, it would probably be the ULM game. So we'd like to see him play then. Any other game, he's not going to go in. That was sort of the plan. Well, he doesn't go in against Alabama because the plan was for him not to go in and just play a quarter or a couple of drives or a drive. And all of a sudden he's maxed out on playing time. Anything more would burn a red shirt. He goes on Sunday and tells Coach O, hey, Coach, I don't want a red shirt anymore. I've talked to my dad. I want to play. I want to be able to play this week. I want to be able to play in these three games moving forward. I don't care at all about a red shirt. Well, then 
Obviously, O shares that Jake Peets and Doug Nussmeyer talk on the phone. Uh, the OC, obviously, and then and Jake is, uh, excuse me, Doug is is Garrett's father, who's the quarterback coach for the Cowboys right now. They have a phone call conversation, and he didn't go deep into details on that, but it's very clear that the end of that conversation was the OC probably letting Garrett Nussmeyer's dad know, yes, we will give him a shot to play. Yes, he is going to get 50, you know, he's going to have a shot this week in practice. Orgeron said they'll give him 50-50 reps. O said Max will start the game, but he said Garrett's coming in in the first quarter and Garrett's going to play significant snaps. And whoever they think plays, plays or performs better or handles things better across these next three or four practices this week is the guy that's going to get the lion's share of the playing time against Arkansas. So it sounds weird. It did when he, you know, O says it as, you know, uh, I keep saying Max. Garrett's dad called the OC and demanded he play or didn't say demanded, but said he wants to play. And now we're going to let him play. It all boils down to this idea of a couple of weeks ago, they were firm on saying, hey, let's let him keep his red shirt, play him a lot against ULM, let Max play the rest of the way. I think the competitor in Garrett, and, and Billy, you covered him in high school. I bet Garrett just left that game pissed off that he was sitting on the sidelines the whole time when he thought he could have gone in there and done something. And because of that, the next day he tells his dad, hey, look, scrap it. I don't care anymore about a red shirt. I want to play. Yeah, and it's funny. Uh, so I'll share some things on this from just a couple things after the game. One, O did say he Garrett was mad that he didn't play. And I don't blame him. I mean, you know, he got time against Ole Miss, which was a team that was up and the game was, you know, the game was over. I mean, there was no way Garrett Nussmeyer was going to lead a, you know, however many point comeback and LSU was going to win that game. Then you get to Alabama game after a bye and Max plays poorly. And it's coming off a week where, yeah, he practiced and he was healthy enough and, you know, the the shoulder is fine enough to play, but he didn't get anything accomplished, you know, offensively as, as the quarterback, um, very little. And you felt like, and I'm not saying LSU would have won by putting Garrett Nussmeyer in against Alabama, but there was nothing going on in the passing game. And if you're going to continue commit to the run like they did, there really wasn't much hurt and especially if you're looking for significant snaps trying to win a game and upset a team on the road by throwing in Garrett Nussmeyer and so Garrett was upset that he didn't play obviously Shay just broke it all down in terms of you know the dad uh, Doug talking to uh, you know uh, talking to uh, Coach O and and, uh, Jake Peets and things like this and you know I think that Garrett is one super competitive Uh, he wears his emotions on his sleeve quite honestly and at the same time, I think he recognizes that at this point in the season with how it's gone with Max Johnson, he can play and he thinks he can do a better job. And I think that's what boils down to Garrett going to Ed Ogeron saying, I want to play. I was unhappy that I didn't play against Alabama. And it's not one of those things where, you know, you got a star quarterback struggling in the NFL and the backup is, you know, nipping at his heels and it's a, you know, pissed off. I hate that guy. I should be starting. It's just look. I think I should play. I want to play. I was mad I didn't get a shot against Alabama. And that's that's Garrett. And, you know, I think with them now committing to playing him, uh, looking back, probably should have thrown him in against Alabama and see how he did. Um, I know that wasn't the plan. They wanted to be careful with the plan. But, I mean, at the same time, if Garrett Nussmeyer's last game was LSU, uh, last game before redshirting this year was going down swinging in Bryant-Denny and letting him get a shot – I don't think Garrett Nussmeyer is upset about that. I really don't. You know, he got a shot against Alabama. He either leads them to a win or 
they didn't get it done, but he got to play in a huge game against the number two team in the country. That's pretty good. That's a fair trade. Now you got Arkansas, ULM, and Texas A&M. And for Garrett, you know, this is an opportunity for him to put some really good film out there, make some mistakes, learn, do it against two two SEC teams, get a game against ULM, which he's going to see some time in that one for sure, and see where the chips fall. And he then has that tape for the next coach to review uh, now that he would have played, you know, some serious competition uh, along with playing Ole Miss. So for me, I totally get it where Garrett's coming from. I understand why he was able to, why he felt comfortable going into Ed Ogeron's office and doing this. I think if Ed Ogeron wasn't leaving and Matty B, you know, chimed in on our chat that we've got going, if Ed Ogeron wasn't leaving after this year, I think he sees, you know, a lot more time, you know, this season going forward already. Uh, I don't think they're sitting there saying, well, maybe we don't hold them out against Alabama. I think they're saying we're trying to win games here, trying to make a statement. Garrett Nussmeyer is a guy we think can get it done. And they've said from the beginning that he has come in and impressed, whether it was him enrolling early, whether it was over the summer in fall camp. Uh, I mean, Garrett, the offense was completely different in fall camp scrimmages. I mean, he was throwing it. The stats were like, you know, Max doing kind of uh, efficient. You know, I feel like 11 of 15 was thrown out there. And then you got Garrett going like 25 of 42 or 48 or whatever, just slinging it around the rock, uh, around the yard. So and that was, and that was against the second and third stringers. And evidently they're pretty good. They just shut down Bama. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point, Shay. So, I mean, I, look, I'll give it to you. Uh, you know, I'll give you Matty B's question and he can chime in if you'd like as well. If, if Ed Ogeron was not leaving after this year, would this have been handled differently? And would you have put him in against Alabama regardless of if the if the plan was not to play him? I wouldn't have if the plan was not to play him, then I'm not putting him in. You know, like if the kids if the kid and his camp are saying, like, look, I want to just play one more game, I want to keep this red shirt, you know you're not going to be the head coach beyond this season. They they would have never said that, I don't think, had he still been the head coach. Like if they were out there competing and and you knew that I was staying, I don't think the Nussmeyers would have ever worried about if he was playing right now or not playing right now. I think that that sort of came up after news broke of Orgeron's termination. And then they look down and say, okay, can, if he can just play one more game and still keep his red shirt for this next staff, then that's a good thing. And I think that was sort of the plan until it sounds like Garrett's competitive uh, edge was only able to be sucked in for about a week before he told his dad, I'm not, I don't care about that. Let's just play. So yeah, I think that had certainly had they oh not be get if this wasn't O's final year, if he wasn't getting let go at the end of the year, that means they were probably playing okay. And that doesn't necessarily mean Max was doing great. So I think Garrett probably would have gotten a shot or more of a shot by now, or most definitely would have gone in the Alabama game. I think the only reason he didn't play versus Alabama was because the Nussmeyer camp said that we don't want him playing in any game except the one where he gets extended action. Uh, obviously they've reversed the course on that. We'll see how he does this weekend. Um, it's kind of a, it's been a fun little roller coaster there and it'll be fun to watch this weekend. I'll tell you this, and this is coming from a coach on staff who doesn't have a dog in the fight. It ain't his position. This is not one of those guys. I even think who might even be here next year. I'm not sure. I don't know what the new staff will look like, but we were talking and he was just giving me the fair and balanced. And this was during the bye week. So this wasn't during the middle of all this Nussmeyer. This was pre-Bama. He said, look, everybody said in the offseason, this one was close. He said, it's way more close right now. He said in the, in the spring, he said Nussmeyer was, he was throwing picks, seven picks in the spring game or whatever. Like he just, 
let it fly. And, and at the time he thought that he was behind Finley and Max. And when Finley left, they said Nussmeyer really buckled in. You started to see him really take things seriously in terms of, Hey, I'm the next guy up. And, and then he got a taste of some action, but they said even over the past month and, and it might be a little blood in the water type thing that Garrett sees, Hey, look, Max isn't lighting the world on fire. Like if I keep buckling down, I can figure this out. There are things Max does and, and maybe Max sees, and this is coming from a coach that Garrett's young. He just, he, Max is, could finish his season. If he starts the rest of the games, he has 14 starts. Garrett has zero. So there are things that come with the game and the flow of it and, and the understanding that Max is better at than Garrett. There are things Garrett's better at than Max. One of them being he's got a bigger arm than Max does. So, you know, we saw when they put Garrett into the game, he knew that people were saying, well, Garrett can throw the deep ball because he just went out there on every play and was literally waiting to throw it as deep as he could. He was trying to push it downfield when the rhetoric was LSU can't push it downfield right now. So you've got a kid who I think knows he's got the arm advantage and he's got to figure a way to close the rest of the gap, whatever that gap is, however minimal it might be. But I am <clears throat> I am more interested than I was previously for the LSU Arkansas game on Saturday. I think this one makes it pretty intriguing. Now that we're going to get to see Max knowing that Garrett is going to play. So Max has got to rise his level of play. And then Garrett, you know, finally getting his chance to go out there in an SEC game. And, and he played against Ole Miss, but this one is going to be like in the first quarter. Well, and, um, you know, I'll make one joke and then one final thing on on Nuss. Uh, one, you know, Jake Peets loves to roll those quarterbacks right. I mean, Garrett Nussmeyer's a righty. You know, that that should bode well for Garrett will be rolling left all game. Just watch. <laughs> <laughs> that I mean that that I, they might we don't get coordinators at LSU, but you know Ed Ogeron might make Jake Peets available if Garrett Nussmeyer comes in and just rolls him left all the way. No. <laughs> and then so final thing on Nuss, I was why I was on the field after the game, and players were walking out, and Neil Farrell and Sony Fanua are kind of taking everything in. You know, for Neil, this is his last game in his home state playing. Um, had a huge, huge, huge part in the defensive performance. And he looked like he was emotional, kind of taking it all in. You know, Ed Ingram, one of the last guys off, Austin Deculus. But right next to Austin Deculus was Garrett Nussmeyer, just kind of patting him on the back of the head. You know, I don't know what he was saying to him, but, you know, that's – Deculus was in tears. Yeah, okay, all right. I couldn't couldn't see if he was – he had his helmet on. I couldn't see if he was in tears. And it wouldn't surprise me the way he's battled for, for so long in his career and how much it means to him. But Garrett was right there with him, just patting him on the back of the head and 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 just walking with him. And, you know, that's the type of guy that that Garrett is, whether it was seven on seven high school games. You know, he is he is right there. And 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 look, I mean, Max is is you, you get him in interviews and he's, he's kind of you know, quiet and for the most part, very business like. Um, and he is a supportive teammate and all those things. But, you know, Garrett, like I said, very visible with his emotions, uh, you know, how he handles things. Uh, that that just kind of stood out to me, and that was far long before you know Ed Ogeron said on Monday that you know Garrett is now going to play and play in extended snaps, and we'll see what the offense looks like. But Garrett's not going to hold anything back, and it's certainly going to be uh, very interesting uh, Saturday when LSU faces Arkansas um, with a quarterback controversy. So yeah, now. and look, we'll we'll talk to O on Thursday night too, and. Friday's a walkthrough anyways, so they'll have today's practice, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, and then we talk to them right after Thursday. So I'm guessing Thursday night, Orgeron is going to have a good feel for what Garrett's playing time is versus what Max's is, so I guess we'll stay tuned on that end. Yeah, you got to push all your chips to the table. Ed Orgeron said today that he uh, he wants to go somewhere 
with beaches and some blue water uh, for the bowl game if they can get it done. That was his only requirement. So me too. Uh, yeah, I mean, me too. I've said, you know, look, I said Tampa on the last podcast or podcast before that, but um, they the, have blue the, water in Tampa. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. Okay, Shay. beautiful. Okay. We got okay. the beach. We got the beach. We got that Gulf of Mexico life. Um, yeah. All right. Injuries. Injuries. Speaking of guys that could be, you know, living it up on the beach if they go to a bowl game. Um, just kidding. Ed Ozron did share some updates, a couple of them on the defensive side of the ball. Sounds like Mason Smith, another freshman who's who's been a uh, you know big part this year, didn't make the trip to Bama, got nicked up, was on crutches, never really seemed like he was ever going to play against Alabama once we heard that. He's probably going to miss all the rest of the games except the Texas A&M game. They're hoping that he's back for that. Sage Ryan is another one that he ruled out this week, it seemed like. You know, once again, you know, injuries do seem to to really stack up. And, you know, even Liam Shanahan did get nicked up against Alabama, came back in. But uh, this is still a team that is uh, dealing with some injuries. Yeah. And he said Cordell Flott looks like he might play this weekend. It sounded of all the guys that have been out that he was the most positive to return. So if he returns, you get him back as a starting outside guy. You've got McLaughlin who played well. McLaughlin got banged up in that game, but he got taped up and was right back out there and. Uh, and you saw, look, Darren Evans, all those guys, they rose to the occasion this past weekend. So if you can get Flot back, that's a big piece. Obviously, no matter who you're playing, he's been one of the, the sort of constants on defense that was really good for him, whether he's playing nickel or playing on the outside. Uh, so that'll be a big piece to get back. And then he said, he kind of briefly said it because he was talking about the bowl games, but he said, look, I don't expect Staley or Ricks and definitely not Boutte. You know, these guys that suffered injuries that then they had surgeries on. They're not coming back for the regular season and are probably out for the bowl game. So it does sound as if like flat and then you get Mason Smith back at some point. Um, no real status on Sage Ryan beyond this weekend, but sort of the headliners. There's really big names. Stingley, Ricks, Boutte, all former five stars uh, are guys that don't sound like they'll be back in the mix this year at all. And uh, that was to be expected. But uh, Orgeron confirmed it. Um, what today, this morning, this is Monday. So whenever we talk to him at lunch. All right. Uh, let's end this on a high note. Uh, this was a game that, I mean, honestly, I'll kind of remember being there. I mean, it, it was one of those games that you will remember. I mean, LSU, they didn't win, but gosh, just what an effort depleted coaches out on the way out, all those things. The uh, rave, I mean, Billy went to the rave, the, the football. Yeah, rave. I went to the rave. You know, I'm not a club guy, but apparently I was in one all night. Um, so I, I don't know any of the songs that were played for the most part, but except some of the old school, you know, whatever Dixieland Delight and all that. But yeah, uh, back from the rave. I've got a moment to uh, really sit back and, and decide who I want to give my game ball to. But let's bring in Maddie B right now. There's three of us, three different players. Um, I'm interested to see who you guys are going to go with. Um, yeah, nobody can choose the same person. So we'll let somebody yep. go first and then we'll go around. Well, yep. Billy should go first. Maddie B. No, Maddie B. Yeah, Billy, you were there. You get to pick your guy first. Well, yeah. see, I want to pick. pick I have your two final. guys. I want to, I, I know who I want to pick. I want to see if you guys are going to pick them and I'll re, I, I will immediately react if you, if one of you guys picks okay. the guy I want to pick. All right, I'll, I'll go, go first. Okay, I'll okay, go first. Okay. Maddie B. Um, I have five names here. Um, so I'll have some honorable mentions at the end, but I'm going to start off with Neil Farrell. I think Neil Farrell is the number one for me. Defensive tackle position. Just that was my so pick. Good. Yeah. I figured it was probably the number I'll one pick. I, yeah. Neil, Neil Farrell for me. Uh, I mean, Neil Farrell, Logan, Jaqueline Roy, um, 
I mean, even Sony Fanua, who I know is not defensive tackle per se, but I mean, the defensive line was just really, really solid. Alabama's offensive line has been talked about a lot this off this season, just with its struggles. It's not looking as strong as it usually is, even though you have Evan Neal over there at tackle. I thought the defensive line played great. I mean, huge reason why the running game was stuffed and why Damone, Damone Clark, I think he only had eight tackles, but still he was he had a good game as well. Is it on me? On you. Really? It, it, well, Matty B just picked the whole defense, so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Neil Farrell's gone. I've got nobody left. Neil Farrell, someone tweeted this. PFF's grades came out from the past week, but then if you look across the whole season, Neil Farrell's the highest-rated defensive lineman in college football this season. That's the level he's playing at. And I think I think Glenn Logan's return, too, especially against the run, helps in a big way, and Neil can play off of that. So that was big. Um Maddie B mentioned this guy, and I had a, I could name a few, but I gotta I have to give a shout out here because I was on his train and stayed on the train when it wasn't fun to be on the train. It's got to be Demon Clark, right? I mean, the stuff, the play he made on Slade Bolden on that Wildcat, which is a terrible call. I don't know why of all people that's who you're keeping a Wildcat with on a fourth down call or third or whatever it was. He got around the edge and just completely grown man just made a play on that one. He was in, like you said, eight tackles. I think his – let's look up. I had his stats up. Eight tackles, a sack, two tackles for loss, a pass breakup. But he's at 108. Yep. He's at 118. He started and played in every game this season. You talk about guys who've been getting, been getting banged up. He's been healthy. But 108 tackles now on the year. That's tied for the lead in the, uh, in the entire country. NCAA, not just SEC, 108. I think he needs, I think it was like 120 something, which he could get this week to move into like the top 10. And then Brady James still owns the record. I tweeted it out today. Let me look real quick. So the LSU career record for a single season tackles. Brady James had it back in the early 2000s, and that would have been 154. So he's got three regular season games left, maybe a bowl game. He's at 108. He averages you know, whatever it is, a game. But he's on pace for 144. 154 would be the record. He's going to put himself maybe ahead of Devin White. He's going to be sitting top one, two, or three in total tackles for a single season. This is a dude a lot of people. He's, he's on that. In fact, this is hilarious. They're both Southern Lab guys. But him and Ty Davis Price were demanding people, fans demanding they be bitched earlier this year. One of them goes on to set the school single-game rushing record. The other Southern Lab signee, might finish top three in total tackles in program history for a single season. Kudos to him. Kudos to Blake Baker, who's clearly had a nice impact on him. I mean, he does look a lot better than he did a year ago when he was a starter under Pelini's system for the first time. So I'll ride with Damone Clark. I'm still riding with Damone Clark. And, he, and we've let everybody on. But It's a huge bus now. Everyone's riding with Damone Clark. He's been brilliant. Uh, and he's been a leader. He's in 18. That's what 18 supposed to do. Uh, I thought he was great against Bama. And that that's before you go real quick, Billy, and that's what makes the quarterback situation so frustrating is like we've seen the running game get going, obviously. We've seen the defense take steps forward to improve. And right as those two start improving, the quarterback situation just completely takes a, falls off a cliff. I mean, obviously, Boutte being out is a big, a huge deal, but still, you know, that's what really hurts. Yeah, and I was talking with somebody this weekend. It was, it, it was wild. I mean – Damone Clark is just was just not even viewed as a guy that could play inside. And now he's going to be – he's playing himself into maybe a first-round draft pick. 
Uh, he's had that type of season. He sure looks sure looks the part when you see him out there, the rolled up 18, uh, running around and making plays. And look, uh, both of you guys uh, didn't pick who I would have picked. Uh, oh. So here we go. A little shout out to uh, the specialist playing in his home state, Avery Atkins. Okay. Wow. Avery Atkins uh, kept LSU in the game with that fourth down uh, pass. He actually completed it. I'm sure Zach Ro- Von Rosenberg is absolutely losing his mind that Avery Atkins was that one to complete it, whereas his was just a little too far there uh, against Auburn. So he gets that fourth down play that honestly made the game. I don't know if LSU doesn't score there. Who knows? Maybe Bama, you know, smells some blood in the water. LSU doesn't feel as good about it. But, um, you know, he made that throw. He punted the ball well. Um, the return unit, the the kick, uh, the punt return coverage didn't help him out too much. JoJo Earl got going a little bit. But, look, I thought Avery Atkins uh, – Played enough of a game for me to give him a game ball, especially since I went third uh, in the picks. But uh, Avery Atkins is going to get my game ball, and uh, it was never in doubt. So I had uh, Jay Ward, I thought played really well as well. Um, he was kind of versatile, obviously, in his coverage. Uh, and Dwight McLaughlin, I thought, played really well too. So those are my those are my honorable mentions. And Cam Lewis, Mr. Six-Year Senior out of Wasserman with Cam a strip Lewis. at the end of the game. I mean, that. Yeah, they massive. Chances and chances to the offense to score. Uh, it was for not, but uh, I like the Atkins call. Also, remember, Atkins went to Auburn High, and both his parents are Auburn University graduates. Home so state. he's got that extra juice to hate Alabama in his blood. Uh, yeah. So not surprised he did that. I liked how Max said after the game that – when they were working on it, that Avery is like, lose the whole idea of throwing it and pretend it's a basketball. Just shoot it. Put it up there and flick it in there. Uh, and he dropped it right into the Jack Mashburn hoop, I guess. Yep. That was a, that was a crazy play, a, a huge moment in the game. So got to give it to Avery Atkins. Um, look, guys, got to give it to LSU. They had a great game against Alabama. It came up short, but at least we get to be positive on this podcast just a little bit. Probably makes Maddie B and Sonny's job on Thursday a little bit better. Uh, previewing this Arkansas game, which is usually a tough one for LSU coming off of Alabama, but yeah. You know, my favorite part of that fake punt before we go was, is that you're playing a team with a lame duck head coach who has the ball at midfield on the opening drive and they called a timeout, came okay, out of the so, timeout, put themselves in punt safe and still didn't get it. <laughs> okay. So I'll say this, I'll say this. When they called the timeout, I, I turned to somebody and I, I, I wasn't sitting next to anybody like on the beat, like in, in the press box. But I, I said this, I said, gosh, they, they might fake it here. Cause Ed Ogeron said on Monday, he was like, we got to do it when they're not expecting it. And honestly, if you're Alabama, why would you expect a fake punt out of a timeout when you like you, you call time? I, I don't know. The I most just, predictable it, time to do it at that point. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess maybe I think a little differently, but if you're a player and you're like, oh, call a timeout, all right, you get all the like, okay, well, watch for this, all right, watch for that. You get the extra coaching points, but really they're going to call timeout and still fake a punt on us? Why not run a play? You know, it just just kind of felt that fake punt coming on, but still pretty wild they were able to execute just, it. The fact that it was a run, and I thought it was a run, and then he pops up and throws it, I, I lost my mind. I was yelling. Yeah. Well, O said that Adkins also gets the ball and starts screaming, run, 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 run. So everyone's like blocking down. And then he pops the pass. I was uh, I was also keeping up with our live thread in the Bama online when our Alabama board on 24-7. And when they call that timeout, it probably hit two pages of people being like, you know they're going to fake this, right? And then everyone's like, okay, at least we're in safe right now. And then still didn't get it. 
Uh, it was a good play. It obviously kept him in it. Uh, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna push this over the edge here, but Jeff Banks wouldn't allow that uh that that fourth down conversion if he was still at Alabama. <laughs> no, 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 the gate would have been closed. The gate would have been closed. Um, all right, I don't want to go down that uh monkey oh, cage or I mean uh rabbit hole. Iowa, but anyway, Iowa State had plenty, plenty enough signs for that this weekend. They were getting confiscated <laughs> left and right. <laughs> all right boys well before we go off the deep end just want to give you guys a reminder to leave us a rating leave us a review subscribe uh wherever you catch the go 24 7 podcast subscribe to the youtube page uh maddie b's been heating that up and basketball season is kicking off this week we're gonna have a ton of preview content uh content up as well a lot to talk about with will wade's tigers and kim mulkey's tigers as uh, basketball season is here what better time to jump on go 247.com for just a dollar for your first month get you covered through the rest of this coaching search as well. So for Matty B, Shay Dixon, I'm Billy Embody. Appreciate you guys catching us on this edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. And we'll catch you later this week with uh, the preview pod for LSU Arkansas. Have a good week, everyone. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.